This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So, so you know, this, this again is a big series, you know, and this is, this is transformative stuff. I want you to take a look at the trailer and think about the way your life can be transformed through this process of forgiveness. Across the world, there is a sound, an echo of hope, a song of love, a shout of joy. It's the sound of the church rediscovering what it means to be the church. We're reaching back. We're reaching up. We're reaching out. Will you come along and join a movement 2,000 years in the making? This isn't a place of judgment or hypocrisy or perfect people. This is a place of freedom. This is a place of hope. This is a place to belong. I want to say again, like, what if we just sat for a minute that life can somehow be different? What if we sat for a minute that maybe a lot of us are tired about collecting around hatred, anger, worry, debate? Could I get an amen on that one? And maybe there's a different way we can collect. Maybe there's a different way we can connect with the highest angels of our nature, the divine inmost, as well as to our loved ones, our families, our communities, our world. Maybe, just maybe, there's a different world. Maybe, just maybe, there's a different way. Maybe, just maybe, if we practice forgiveness in some small way, we start to find it. See, I could walk around this audience here today, this highly esteemed, wonderful audience here today, and I could put this line up. Where's your point of pain right now? Because each one of you, if I walked around, would have the answer for that. Every single one of you carries into this room a point of pain. I don't know what it is, but you do. For some of us, it's very large things, big things, things that no one really should have to wrestle with. For others, it may be smaller, but we all carry it. And then the question becomes, could for, I'm going to have you say the A word there. Could forgiveness be part of the, could forgiveness be part of the answer? Could it be part of the answer? Now you're all here. And again, this is such a wonderful audience. You are all here because you believe the answer to that question is yes. So let's start on that journey. 
It's interesting when you look at the Bible that a third of the teachings in the New Testament actually deal with forgiveness in some different way, shape, or form. And we're going to look at a story, and there's, there's a couple of triads here. Now, now, a couple of things, you know, as we look at these triads. One is an important caveat. I don't know what everybody's wrestling with. And I certainly don't want to be prescriptive about what your forgiveness journey has to look like. I don't think that's the job of a pastor. But I think we can share some things together as a group that may start to give us a handle on maybe how to hold forgiveness, maybe how to look at that point of pain, and maybe how to see how forgiveness might be part of it. And folks, it's perfectly fine to say, yeah, you know what, Chuck? My biggest forgiveness part that I'm wrestling with is I got to learn to forgive God. That really is okay to say here, if that's what you're coming here with. When you look at, when you look at these triads, important again, not to see them as things out there, though sometimes they are. It's important to look at both of these triads and to see it as we do in new church, which is things within us, within our spirit, within how God is forming us and, and how we are evolving in life. Now, the first of these triads, we're going to be looking at this story. We're going to see a Pharisee. Pharisees think clergy. Think clergy there. Kind of in the role of a judge. We have Jesus, kind of in the role of a servant here. And then there's a third character in the story, a woman. And she really represents, she pictures what forgiveness can be. So if we just take that one step further on this next slide... We can see that woman, and again, think of our hearts here, that heart within us, that deep point of pain, and how are we going to handle that point of pain? Like, which of these two roads are we going to go on? Because I say this following line with tongue-in-cheek, I believe you should take a picture of it with your camera because it makes me giggle every time I read it. Real simple line, your choices are showing. Whatever, whatever your choices are around forgiveness, they're showing. And, and we can look at that and think, yeah, well, how do we show something different? How do we show a life that maybe, maybe has more grace to it? It's maybe, and this is where we're going at the end of the serve, at the end of the series, excuse me, where we unify the field. You know, where somebody's able to hold the deep breakings of their life and somehow they're able to do amazing stuff with that. Like the way the series is going to close, five-week series, number six is going to be, Scarlett Lewis is going to be joining us. She lost her son at Sandy Hook Elementary School. You know how she signs all her emails? Choosing love. That's someone who has somehow managed to unify the field of life, to allow love to hold it all, the blessings and the breakings. That's the power that forgiveness, I think, can unleash in our lives. So what I want to do now is I want to read you the story that has this triad embedded in it. And then I want to go through and just start talking about what are these two different perspectives? How do they show up? And then really move towards, yeah, and what does this have to do with our lives? So if you're following along at home or online, this is, this is from Luke chapter 7. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. So, so Jesus is getting in with the big cheeses at this time. 
He's getting invited into the fancy dinners. And even again, we lose this historically, even reclining at the dinner table, that's the way people ate when it was a big time dinner. Literally, you reclined. You didn't have seats. You literally reclined. And that meant you were an honored guest. So here's Jesus is an honored guest of one of these clergy members. When a woman who had lived a sinful life, we never learn what that is, just says she had lived a sinful life in that town, learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his, his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. Now, now again, there's, there's fascinating parts in that too. First part is, you know, this was a highly misogynistic culture. So was it normal for a woman just to walk into dinner and start wiping somebody's feet? Do you think that was normal? Yes or no? No, it wasn't normal at all. And we see Christ welcoming this. Really interesting there too. Sinful woman comes in, no holds barred, just brings her, brings her right in. This also, for those of you who are familiar, you know, we have a lot of folks who aren't real familiar with a lot of Christian stories. This is also foreshadowing of the final act when Jesus washes the disciples' feet at Easter. If you don't know what that is, come back at Easter and I'll tell you. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, and this is interesting, like Jesus answered. So, so here the guy has the thought. Jesus doesn't directly confront it. He says, he answers him. He answers him by turning over to one of his disciples by the name of Peter, and this is what he tells Peter. Simon Peter, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the deaths of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. And, and it's, again, like interesting, right? It's, it's, Jesus is not asking us here to see God as like the great money changer who you all have borrowed money from and you better pay him back. It's not the story here. It's a story about trying to live a life where we really understand that we are debt-free. We have responsibilities. We have things we are to do in the world. We have sacrifices we are to make. And we're to do so with the idea that we are debt-free. God loves you, cares about you. Listen carefully. I'm going to come back to this one next week. Please listen carefully to this. Forgiveness is not about earning God's love. Forgiveness is about experiencing God's love. Not about earning it, but about experiencing it. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Peter, do you see this woman? I came into your house, Peter. You didn't give me any water for my feet. And again, see this as Jesus saying this with a smile. But she wet my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but the woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Again, you can see the foreshadowing for Easter here. You did not put oil on my head, but she's poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. That's going to be a big line. For she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. It's a beautiful story there. And I want to come back and sort of start to play around a little bit with this triad. So I want to start over here with with what Jesus saw, what I imagine Jesus saw when he saw this woman. 
Jesus is looking at her, and I think he sees something like this. This is from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. The most beautiful people we have known are those who have known defeat. The most beautiful part, listen carefully, the most beautiful part of you maybe is the part that's known defeat. Think about that. Known suffering, known struggle, known loss, maybe the most beautiful part of you is the part that is known suffering, known struggle, known loss, and have found their way out of the depths. These persons have an appreciation, a sensitivity, and an understanding of life that fills them with compassion, gentleness, and deep loving concern. Beautiful people do not just happen. That's Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Isn't that good? That's what Jesus sees. We don't even know how forgiveness took place. We don't know what she had done. And in a way, it didn't matter because she had been seen completely seen, broken parts and all, completely seen. There's another part to the story, a different perspective from this that doesn't see beauty, doesn't see beauty at all, but sits in a place that only sees judgment and shame unclean, this need to move apart from separation, that's the Pharisee part, the judge part. Now, I'm not saying life doesn't have judgments. Of course it does. But we're talking about the wrong kind of judgments. Judgments that deal with this kind of mindset. When the Pharisee who had invited them saw, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, in other words, if this man was holy, if he really got it, if he really got it, I'm going to have you say the K word there. He would, could we say no like we really know the word? He would say no. He would say, he would say no who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. Notice that. And that she is a sinner. Totally different perspective. And we see the way that he puts those two together. It's, it's kind of in this, in this very toxic, toxic combination. Again, saying that, that somehow if, if we really got the holiness thing right, if we really got down what holy was, we'd finally be able to sort the good from the evil, to know both definitively. Tree of knowledge of good and evil. For those of you who are very familiar with the Genesis stories, what got Adam and Eve kicked out of the garden? We don't know. We really don't. And how do we see it? That's the big question. When Angela's going to say a little bit here, and then when I come back out, I want to talk about, okay, so we have this triad. How do we actually move this into our lives? Because I'm sure, like most of you, I don't particularly find myself at my best when I'm over here. No. Life's a lot more fun, a lot better, but with a lot more grace when I take this perspective. And how is it that, again, that we, we find that place, we, we find that, that kind of love? 
Because as we're going towards, and I'm going to come back to this, but I think it's so important. The journey of forgiveness is the journey to freedom. The journey of learning to be free to love. The journey of learning to be free to love. Our mindsets, our choices, you know, they will be showing. And we're always free to make these choices. Now I want to come back again and talk a little bit more about this one. This Pharisee, this this judge part. It's interesting with this mindset that when I sit here, I dare say when you sit here, something starts to take over. Right? <laughs> a phrase from New Church stuff that is, is a little bit of a glompy phrase, but it's got a lot of wisdom into it. In it. It's called the pleasure of insanity. And what that means is when I sit in this place, what I do is I start to create a story. A story about other people, a story about life, a story about judging who's right and who's wrong, who God loves most. And the crazy part to that, folks, is, is underneath that, listen carefully to this. And, and this, is, this is challenging, and I'd ask you just to think about it. It might be true for you. I know it's certainly true for me. Underneath that story, is this question, well, why do I keep on telling that story? Because those stories inevitably make me miserable. And most mornings when I first wake up, if I'm not careful, that's how I start my morning is reciting those stories. Does anyone else do that, by the way? Please tell me there's at least one other person in here who does that, right? And oftentimes those stories are about the people I love most in the world. Does that make any sense or what? And underneath that is kind of this pleasure of the insanity of it. That I actually somehow, even in that misery, somehow I find contentment in the misery. I actually find a pleasure in that, a pleasure in running it over and over and over in my head. If I didn't find find pleasure in it, who can shout out? What would I do? I'd stop the story. Obviously, I'm getting something out of it. I remember way back when, as many of you know, you know, as a teacher for a long time, and I had a group of uh, high school students who asked to meet with me once a week on Sunday nights. Now, I don't want you to think I was Mr. Chips. I taught for 20 years. I had one group of kids want to do that. So, so I thought, sure. And, and I remember a, a young lady whose name was Nicole, and she was going through all this, and she, every time she had this really story, and, 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 and I remember thinking, like, should I say it? Should I say it? Should I say it? Yeah, I'll say it. Nicole, I think you're enjoying your story too much. And she went, you're right. It was a big moment for me. Not so sure for her, I don't know, but it was big for me. We have to learn to stand from this place because those pleasures of insanity, you know, thinking about some of the pleasures can be like, I get to be right. I get to be right because I'm writing the story. I get to be the sane one here. How many of us do that? I'm the sane one in this? I'm the one who actually, who actually gets it? I'm the one who actually, ready for this? Ready for this? I'm the one who actually knows why you did it. I'm sure I know exactly why you did it. I'm the one who knows 
And then this is a really big one for me. Self-pity. I can get into this big self-pity thing and that can become somehow pleasurable. See, the problem with that, folks, you can't serve from that place. Notice how careful the story, these stories are so good. Like Bible stories are so good. You know, and, and the way the story goes is Jesus, the way the writer says is that this is what was going on in his head. That's the very problem. It goes on in our head. So we can't actually reach out because we're so wound tight in our head around these judgments around other people. Could I get an amen? amen. So wound tight around that that we can't get out of it. We, you are not free if, please listen. You are not free if you are trapped by your own opinions about other people. You are not free if you're trapped. You're not free to love. You're just not. And this is the other one I kind of think. This came out from the sermon writing team. So you have to picture this with the Pharisee. In comes this woman. She goes right over to Jesus. She starts like, she just, she's so moved by his presence. She starts crying. She starts washing his feet. Beautiful, tender story. I think the Pharisee was jealous. I think the Pharisee was over there thinking, part of him was thinking like, she should be washing my dang feet. I mean, I'm the religious professional here. This guy's a carpenter. Even that can get to be part of it. We have to learn to move away from that. God cannot remove from you what you absolutely are convinced is true. God cannot remove from you what you are absolutely convinced is true. So we have to hold this stuff in question because if we stay in this place, all we're going to end up is divided and out of relationship. Just like this Pharisee spinning the story in our head. Not a good place to be. And we have this opportunity for this beautiful movement over to something far more powerful, far different, a much better reality. Notice this part here with Jesus. Our first forgiveness has to be to reality itself, which is why nothing new can happen without it. Now, those might not seem like they line up right at the beginning, but I want to I wanted talk about that for a minute. And I want to really get you folks to focus and myself to focus on what does that mean about our first forgiveness has to be to reality itself has to be the reality itself. That, that idea that, that here Christ is sitting and he's, he's looking at the reality of this woman's life, blessed and broken. And he's saying, you can find forgiveness there. Just, folks, this is so subtle and I just, I feel bad because I'm not great with words and I wish I was as good with words as Robbie is with singing, but I'm not. It's such a subtle thing here. I think we get all caught up a lot because we're unable to forgive the reality of our lives. We're unable to just simply look at it and go, yes, I have this relationship. It has good days and guess what? It has, it has bad days. 
I'm in a job I love. And some days I want to move to Acapulco. It's this both and, it's this forgiveness of reality as it is, because if I can learn to forgive reality as it is, I'm not caught in the past with resentment. I'm not caught in the future wanting revenge. It puts me here and now in the way life actually is, as life actually functions, and it allows me to see. To see people like this woman. To see her holy, literally, in both senses of that word, as a whole, and as holy, and as connected. Now, we're going to go to some slides here. I'm actually going to ask the booth to flip back a couple of slides, because I want to talk about the priestly mindset. Like, I want us to look at this compared to that. The, The Pharisee, the priestly mindset over there, makes God less accessible instead of more so. You see the difference? Less accessible instead of more so. Neither entering yourselves nor letting others enter in, as Jesus says, Matthew 23, 13. The priestly mindset is you can only come to God through us. Now, now you may not literally hold that true, but if you really believe that you are the final arbitrator in terms of who are the good guys and who are the bad guys, you are kind of taking that on. I know I certainly can. By doing the right rituals, obeying the rules, believing the right doctrines. And that doesn't even mean, folks, it's not necessarily even religious people. I know, I know some very dogmatic, non-religious people who believe that, yeah, you have to follow the right rituals, obey the right rules, believe the right things, and then you'll get it. And I love this last line from Father Richard War. This should bring a big smile. This is like telling God who God is allowed to love. Isn't that beautiful? So this is like telling God who God is allowed to love. Anne Lamont put it this way, God saves a lot more people than you, and I, than you or I would. So we look at these two different perspectives and then the story shifts into this wonderful part. And again, like, yeah, this is our choice here, folks. This is our choice. And then it shifts into this part about, well, how, how do we know when people are forgiven? How do we know what forgiveness actually looks like? I'm gonna step back in the middle here. A beautiful, beautiful, incredible line about how we know. Take a look at this. Her many sins have been forgiven, not because she did the right thing or completed the right list or did this and this and this and this. Her many sins have been forgiven as her, please say it with great gusto, as her great love love has shown. Wow. That's a curveball. Not that she got done the 10-point checklist. But because she was able to show great love. See, that's again, see this forgiveness journey that we're asking you to take. And again, I want to say, take it in person. Join us. Even from, if you're as far away from Boston, join us online with this. Because it's about becoming free to love. That's the whole point of this. And that freedom can be a beautiful thing. Look at how New Church puts it. I love this line from Emmanuel Swedenborg. Angels don't want vengeance, retaliation of an evil for an evil, but instead from heavenly charity forgive. That is because they know that God protects them. 
and that he could not protect them if they were inflamed by animosity, hatred, revenge, because the evil of the evil that was done to them. That is a very different way of holding our point of pain. Of course it's acknowledging. Of course it's saying that hard things happen. Of course we're always faced with this decision. I want to be clear on this. Some relationships can be, through forgiveness, can be renewed. Others, and I want to be really clear, must be released because they're toxic and they could hurt you. And you can do either of those from love. You can do either of those from this perspective. From a giving, loving perspective, we can come to those two gates and maybe start to make a different choice. I want to share with you a video now of Jim Carrey. And it's kind of interesting. He walks into a room. (laughs) He sees these people, these gang members, clearly people who are in that place of, of sin, so to speak. And they're working with Father Gregory Boyle, largest, uh, who runs the largest gang intervention program in the country. If you're a big reader, read his book, Tattoos on the Heart, a phenomenal read. And I want you to hear how Jim Carrey puts this and be thinking about the two gates as you hear what Jim Carrey has to share. Take a look at the video. And that you are heroes to me, and I admire you. Because when you step through these doors, you decide to be a part of this family. You've made a decision to transcend and to leave darkness behind. And it takes a champion to make that decision. And uh, I really want to speak to the fact that I've had some challenges in the last couple of years myself. uh, And... uh, Ultimately, I believe that suffering leads to salvation. And in fact, it's the only way that uh, we have to somehow accept and not deny, but feel our suffering and feel our losses. And, uh, and then we make one of two decisions. We either decide to go through the gate of resentment which leads to vengeance, which leads to self-harm, which leads to harm to others, or we go through the gate of forgiveness, which leads to grace. And uh, your being here is an indication that you've made that decision already. You've made the decision to walk through the gate of forgiveness to grace, just as Christ did on the cross. He suffered terribly, and he was broken by it to the point of doubt and a feeling of absolute abandonment, which all of you felt. And uh, then there was a decision to be made. And the decision was to look upon the people who were causing that suffering, or the situation that was causing that suffering, with compassion and with forgiveness. And that's what opens the gates of heaven for all of us. So I wish that for all of you. I wish that for myself. I know that no matter what I've suffered, most of you have suffered worse than that. But that's why I admire you, because you're here. You know? And 
you will have grace because this decision has been made. So I'm so glad to be with you and uh, to be a part of this. Thank you, Father Greg. Thank you, John. That wins two-minute sermon of the year. Beautiful, beautiful part, right? Like, you, could you see the gates in there? You know, you can see the choices that he's talking about. Amazing part is God always leaves us free to make those choices. All he asks is that we question our story. God leaves us free to make those choices. All he asks is that we question our story. And we try to come to a deeper, richer understanding of what forgiveness is. Not forgiveness that is some form of, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer called it, cheap grace. But a forgiveness that actually is transformative. And we can do that. You can do that. Imagine your life without that weight on it. Imagine that point of pain, not ignored, but acknowledged, and in some small way, healed. That's good stuff, friends. Join us for that journey. Thank you for being here today. What we're going to do now is I'm going to offer a prayer. You have the opportunity then to have a moment of quiet reflection, to offer your own silent prayer to God, or to say the Lord's Prayer as you know it. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. And Lord, help us again to continue in ways that maybe are even unimaginable at this time. Unimaginable to move forward in our individual journeys of forgiveness and in moving forward in those individual journeys, allow those journeys through the small groups over the next five weeks to join into bigger journeys. Journeys of people dedicated to this path and allow those groups, Lord, then to echo out in ways big and small to journeys into communities and into the world. A journey of forgiveness. A journey moving away from, from angst and anger and upset and misunderstanding to the simple journey of forgiveness where we're free, free, free to love. Lord, what a blessing that would be. Stir that, stir that in our hearts. That deepest promise that deepest joy, free. Free to finally, in ways imperfect, but free to finally love. In your name, we pray. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 